Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Church. As been said, I'm J. Tom Snelson. Um, I've had the privilege of being a part of Luminous Church for the last year, and I can't tell you how thankful I am to be a part of this family and to and to be just used by God to to change San Antonio, to be a part of what He's doing here. It's exciting. It's exciting what God's done at Luminous Church. We've seen amazing things. We've seen miracles happen. We've seen healings. We've seen people give their life to Christ. We've been to other nations on mission trips. God's done amazing things in Luminous Church, and really it's a privilege for me to be here. It's a privilege for me to be on this stage to speak to you, and I just want to thank you for letting me be a part of it, and I want to take a moment and thank the Lord for letting me be a part of it because it is an honor and a privilege to be here. That being said, I'm pretty new at this stuff. I mean, you know, I seem like I got it all figured out right now. Can't blame you for thinking that. I'm pretty sharp. Um, however, pretty new at this. I've only preached, this is my fourth time, so I've only completed it three times. Let's see if I get through it today. I don't know. So, you know, I'm still prone to getting a little nervous. I might forget what I'm talking about and I have to wander back to my notes over here and then kind of fiddle around. But what you can do to help me is apparently, how many of you are familiar with the five love languages? Mm, yes. I don't know if I believe in them, but what they tell me is that I, I respond to words of affirmation. So, man, I feel it. I'm ready to preach now. So that's what I want to hear. You know, if, I, if, you see, if you see me kind of getting a little nervous, if I start powering over here, I feel lost, just shout out, preach it, man. Preach it. Amen. Give me some affirmation. I'll respond. I'll feel like I'm doing well here. I feel, I feel positive. So that's, that's how you can help me is I really uh, respond when people praise me. So that's all you have to do. <laughs> We've been in a series called The Big Give. And it's about, first and foremost, that God is generous and he's a giver. That's why John 3.16 is in the logo. Because God loved us so much he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he really set the stage for us. He gives. And so we should give. And so that's what this series is about. And today I get to talk about something I'm really excited about. I am. I am. Most people, when they hear the topic in a second, they may, not wonder, they may wonder why I'm so excited about it. But I am excited because I've seen and felt the transformative power of what we're going to talk about today. Um, before I tell you what the topic's about, I want to start with a story. In, it's basically in the fall of 2013, so two years ago. Pastor Ben and I are still living in Midland. Um, we're planning Luminous Church. We're going through the different planning stages, going to meetings, meeting together. But one of the things we're a part of is a men's group that meets in the mornings, uh, once a week at Chick-fil-A at 6 a.m. And what we did was we just... We are diving into the Word together. We're reading books. We're just kind of growing together. The, the focus of the group was to focus on leadership, our, the fact that we're husbands and fathers, and just growing our relationship with the Lord. One of the first books we talked about was the Purple Book. 
And the purple book is actually a part of our discipleship track here at Luminous. And what it does is it really kind of lays a foundation for our faith in Christianity, our faith in Jesus, and tells us about what it means to be a believer in Christ and what that looks like lived out. The, another book, though, that we read was The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, who's the pastor of Gateway Church in Dallas. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't excited about reading this book. You see, I knew what this book was about. I looked on the back of it, and it's, a talk, it's about giving. And I didn't tell anybody at the time, but I was like, I don't want to read this book. Because the truth is, is up until that point, money was not something I was comfortable with. So you can ask my wife. I had two approaches to money. I either completely ignored it and acted like it wasn't there, I like wouldn't go to my bank account, wouldn't look at it, just treat it like it's not there at all, or I would stress out completely about it. So I kind of compare it to the scale in the, weight room, in the, in the bathroom, right? So if I'm not doing really well in what I'm eating or anything like that, I'm not gonna step on that scale, because I'm vain, and I really care about what I look like and what that number says. So if I'm not doing well, I'm not getting on that scale. And so with money, I'm not going to look at the money. But then every once in a while, I'd stress out and be like, oh, my goodness, I'm looking not very good right now. So then I go and I get on the scale. And then I'm like, oh, I hate myself. <laughs> and I panic and you stress out, right? The same thing would happen with my bank account. So I, like, for instance, I was in law school right before... Um, this men's group, and say I had a really stressful week and I'm studying for tests or something like that, I might come home and flipping through my iPhone, looking at the different apps I have, and all of a sudden, the Wells Fargo app comes up for me. And it's like glaring at me, saying, click on me. And I don't, I'm like, I don't want to look, I don't want to look. And then Jill would see me looking at it, and she's like, don't, don't open that app. Don't do it. I know you're stressed out, you're not gonna help yourself, but no, then I have to look. And what do I do? I'm not, you know, it's not like I, I, I open it up in fear that like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like all of a sudden, it's gonna of course say zero all the way across the board, but it's also gonna like, I don't know, someone's gonna jump out and drag me to prison or something. You know, it's like I'm stressed out about it. And that never happened, but nevertheless, no matter what that number was, I stressed out about it. The only time I didn't is if for some reason there was magically more money in that bank account, which I don't know if that ever happened or not, but it's kind of like that feeling where you get on the scale and you weigh a lot less than you think you do, and you're like, oh, yeah, yes, but that didn't happen. So most of the time, I stressed out, and Jill never stressed out, and so the thing is is she has been a giver her whole life. Ever since I've known her, she gives, and so she'd come home, you know, we're We've been married for a year or two, and she's like, I bought this person lunch. I felt, felt like I needed to buy this person, I don't know, a pair of shoes, or I don't know what she did. Sometimes it was just buying dresser for the, for the house or something. And every time, I'm like, don't do this. I don't say it most of the time because I knew in my heart, like, I can't act like that. That's not what a good person does. I got to act like I love the fact that she gave this money away. But in my heart, I'm saying, stop doing that. Because every time she did, it touched that place in my heart where I was insecure. And I was insecure because I didn't trust someone. I didn't trust the Lord. My wife did. 
And so she did not stress. The only time she stressed is if I started stressing out and then that stressed her out because I started going at her. We got to stop spending this money. We got to stop doing this. We got to change our life. All that changed. That lack of peace when it came to finances, that lack of peace in my heart changed from the Lord through that book. I started reading it and God just transformed my heart. He did. And now I can tell you confidently, I have total peace when it comes to finances. Most of the time, outside, now I'm not perfect, so every once in a while if I'm really stressed or had a bad week, maybe I'm tempted to look at that Wells Fargo bank account for the wrong reasons again. But most of the time, I walk around with the assurance that God has my back. Because he does. And he's proven it over and over again. And through that book, the Lord brought me through, through the journey of trusting him. And it started with tithing. So the tithe is the topic of today. There's been many times in history that this topic has been abused and used for the wrong reasons or, or approached with the wrong heart. And that's not what's going to happen today. I'm preaching about tithing because it's something that's transformed my heart. And so I want to start with this today, that if you're new to the Lord, if you've never, if you are even just checking out this Jesus thing, if you don't know yet, if you want to kind of follow Jesus, my goal for you is to just kind of set you up to, for when that day does come, and you do start following Jesus, that you know what the tithe is, and you, begin, you can begin to act and walk in that. If you have been with the Lord for a season, I want you may know what tithing is, and great. I, that's awesome. And if you don't, if you're kind of unclear, if you weren't really sure what the difference between tithing and giving or and these kind of things, I want to set you up so that you know what that is, and then hopefully that the Lord will, if it's something that you have yet to take the leap into doing, that the Lord will impart in you this revelation, this truth of what the tithing is. So I want to start today with just a statement that, of what the tithe is. The tithe is the act of giving back one-tenth of all your increase to God for his house. So I want to repeat that one more time. The tithe is the act of giving back one-tenth of all your increase to God and for his house. So I want to unpack that statement just a little bit really quickly. The tithe, kind of, we kind of hear that word and we think, what, that, what does that mean? It means putting money in an offering plate, offering plate for the church. That's not what tithe means. Tithe literally means tenth. So in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, when you see the word tithe, it means tenth. In the New Testament, when you see the word tithe, it means tenth. <laughs> Pretty simple, tenth. And so then we go further. It says the tenth of all, where is it, of all our increase. And increase, the reason I use that word is because in the Bible, you'll see oftentimes when you read about the tithe that people are giving sheep and livestock and crops because in that day, it was an agrarian society, so most people didn't have money, like physical money. What they had was possessions. They had, you know, the fruit that they grew and the sheep in the field and things like that. And so what they would do is for every 10 sheep, they would give one to God. We, on the other hand, most of us, I don't know, if, raise your hand if you do, don't have sheep. <laughs> or fruit, maybe a little bit of fruit. But what we get, our increase, our wealth, if you want to use that word, is in the form of money. And that's our increase. 
So what that means is giving one-tenth of your wealth to God and to his house. And so that's the true thing, too. I want you, if you take away anything today, is the tithe does not go to the physical building of the church, okay? The tithe is giving God a tenth of your income, okay? And then God gives it to his house. And his house is not a physical place anymore either. In the time of the Old Testament, the house was the temple, a singular place, a physical location. Now, the house of God is in the community of the body of believers. Okay, so there's the corporate body of Christ, which is the house of God. And that's the entire scope of believers, past, present, and future, who follow the Lord. That is the corporate body of Christ, the universal body of Christ. But then we have the local church, the local house of God, which is us. Everybody in this room, the people that God has put you together with, to do community with, to grow together, to transform your environment, and to seek God together. That's your house. Okay? So, one last time. The tithe is the act of giving back one-tenth of all your increase to God and for his house. There's been some people who... And I say this because I was one of them, made the argument that, oh, the tithe was exclusively for the law, that it ceased to exist when Jesus came to the earth. Um, if, you've, if you're new to the faith, you may not know what I'm talking about, but that doesn't, you know, the point is, is basically that they make an argument that it was a, a compulsory action that passed away when Jesus came to the earth. And I made that argument all the time because really my reason I made that argument is because I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> Let's be honest here. But the fact is, is it, it is not law. I would say the tithe is truth. Okay? There are things that are in the law that remain true even though the law is complete today. Right? So you have, for instance, murder was in the law. Stealing was in the law. Lying was in the law. And the law is complete now in Jesus. And yet every one of us in this room know that just because it's complete, I do not have the right to go steal something from someone or to lie, and especially, hopefully, not murder. Just because it's not, you know, in the law doesn't mean that it's okay to do it. It's a truth. We know it intrinsically in us that, that I am not allowed to murder someone. And I believe that the tithe belongs in that same category. It's not law. It's truth. And I believe that the history of the tithe can tell us a little bit about that. So I went to A&M in undergrad. We need some more Aggies in this church. Um, there's, a, there's the fact that I did history as my undergrad, okay? So I love history. History, I think, tells us things. It helps kind of set the stage for us. And so I just kind of want to briefly touch on the history of the tithe. The very first recorded moment of, of the act of tithing in Scripture occurred with Abraham. And basically what Abraham had done is Abraham had just won this military victory, and he had gathered up a bunch of spoils from the battle, and he was making his way back home, and a priest came out to meet him. And God sent this priest to Abraham in order to bless him. And the priest brought out bread and wine, and they shared the bread and wine, and then the, the priest laid hands on Abraham and, and blessed him. And then Abraham, following that, it says that, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. That's the first recorded moment of tithing. The second moment is actually Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And Jacob 
had this is a I'll set the stage for you a little bit. This is this is the morning or early evening, early morning after a night of where he's been wrestling with God. It says he was wrestling God, holding on to him and saying, "Bless me, bless me. I'll never let you go unless you bless me." And wrestling and all these things. And finally, he makes this promise to God. He says, "If you'll take care of me." I'm summarizing it. He says more things than that. But basically, if you take care of my needs, you will be my God. And then he followed that up by saying, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So that's the two first moments of tithing that we know of. And the significant thing, touching on what I just said before, is that both of those occurred before the law was in existence. So we know that tithing as a practice exists outside of the law. Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham was the man that, that God came to and promised the seed, which would be Jesus, from which the whole world would be blessed. He's the father of our faith. And for me, that would be reason enough to walk in this practice of tithing. But I don't want to leave you with that because I also went to law school. And in law school, we were taught that if you're going to make an argument, you've got to back it up. So before, that was just, an, a, that was just kind of a, a leap, an assumption. It was like, this is good because I kind of like the, the thing about Abraham. That's a good reason, but it's not an argument. It's not, it's not proof, right? So i got to make a case for you why, tithe, why we should tithe, okay? So I'm going to use all my, my doctorate and jurisprudence for you all today and really break down the law here for you. So I've got three points to kind of summarize why we should tithe. Number one. We tithe because it's his. Pretty simple. We tithe because it's his. Leviticus 27, 30 through 34 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of the herds and flocks, every tenth of animal, a tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. So that right there tells us the tithe is God's. The tenth of everything we receive is God's. And it actually calls it holy. And most of us, when we hear the word holy, at least I did, kind of always took holy to mean divine, right? Like, and that's true, but really the the, the real full definition of what holy is means set apart. So it's not ours at all, that tenth. It's set apart for God. It's his, okay? So point number one, we tithe because it's his. Point number two, if the tithe is his and we don't give it, we are literally stealing from God. Now, those are strong words, but they're true. And we just talked about it, that we all intrinsically know that stealing is not good and not okay. And in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, the Lord says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I love that verse because to me, that verse is like a conversation with me and God because that was me. 
You know, I'd, he'd come to me. He, if, if we had had that moment, he could have had that same conversation. He could have said, Jay Tom, you're robbing me. And I would have said, how am I robbing you? And I would have tried to justify all the reasons that I justified. But the truth is, is I was up until two years ago. So point number one, we tithe because it's his. Point number two, if the tithe is his and we don't give it, we're stealing from God. And then point three, if you honor the Lord with your tithe, the rest of the wealth he has given you will be blessed. Will be blessed. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And then Jesus confirms this in Luke 6, 36 through 38. He says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That verse is powerful. Because to me, I kind of picture in my mind like a, a basket full of wheat. And God's not even asking me to give the whole basket to him. He's just asking me to give a portion of my basket. Then he takes the basket from me, and he fills it up to the top with wheat. But then he takes his powerful hand, and he pushes that wheat down as far as it'll go into that basket, and then piles more and more on top of it until it's literally overflowing out the top, and he gives it to us. And so this is, it's amazing, that promise. These are promises. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. And so these promises that God has made to humanity hold true today. And it's a contrast. It's amazing that if we don't, you know, it's his. But we've already established that the tithe is God's, right? But then if we withhold it, we're cursed. Our finances are cursed. And that would make sense. It's, it's, we're stealing from God. But the, all, the awesome part about it is if we just give God what is his, which is his, then he overwhelms us with things that we don't deserve. It's not even generosity. We're just giving it to him. It's his already. And yet, what does he do? He repays us with overwhelming generosity. That's what this blessing is talking about. When you hear the words blessing and curse, it kind of, you know, it can bring up lots of different images in your mind, you know. As a kid, when I, when I would hear the word curse, I might think of like a witch or something. Like a witch is coming and casting a spell, an evil spell on me or something like that. But I think as an adult, most of us kind of view it as this. that If I'm cursed, it's because bad things are happening to me. Right? And then if I'm blessed, that means good things are happening to me. And that's not blessing and curse. Okay? That's not. That's circumstantial. Those things change. So if you, bad things are happening, that doesn't mean you're cursed. And if good things are happening, that doesn't mean that you're blessed. What blessed, to me, the simplest way to describe what a blessing and a curse is in the context of wealth is if your wealth is cursed, it's dead. That's it. It's dead. But if it's blessed, it can produce life. Good illustration for this is if you have an apple, and you hoard that apple, it 
it will rot. Especially, if, you know, you can either eat it and it momentarily will please you and then it's gone. Or you can hoard it because it's like, I can't, I can't spend this. I can't get, you know, like, like I would do with money, which is I was hoarding my money because it's like, well, what happens when this is gone? And if you did that with your apple, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't. What's going to happen when it's gone? Then it's dead. That apple can do no more. The only thing it can do is be eaten. But if you take that apple and you plant it in the ground, what does it do? It produces a tree, which multiplies and produces life. And that tree can produce apples for the length of its life. And so to me, that's a simple way. It's blessed. Our wealth, when it's blessed, produces life. And God can use it to make, do and make amazing things happen. So that's my case in the law. Lawyer. You didn't know you were going to trial today. My three points. We tithe because it's his. If we tithe, if we don't give him the tithe, then we're stealing from God. And three, if we do tithe, he blesses us. I think those are important to hold on to because when we know those like foundational truths, when times get hard and we've committed to doing something, we can keep going, keep going through the storm, right? But I want to talk for a moment to your hearts because all the knowledge in the world doesn't inspire us to move and to do things. I knew all these things years ago, but it didn't matter. I found ways around the issue to justify that I didn't have to do it because it wasn't in my heart yet. God hadn't revealed the truth to me. And so I want to speak to our hearts. God's looking for a people, he says, a people where his words are written on his heart, on their hearts. And to me, what that means is it's a people that don't do things because he's forced us to, that he's compelled us to do it out of some need of religious duty, something like that. He's not looking for that. He's looking for people who look like him and do it, just like John 3.16. God didn't have to give Jesus to us. Why did he do it? He did it because he was in him. It was in his character to do it, to give, to love. He didn't do it because somebody was up there forcing him. And God's not wanting us to give and to tithe because he's forcing us either. He's not going to come and bang on our door and, and demand our money and say that you're stealing from me. I, I was talking to David about this the other day, and he made a good joke. He talks about God's not going to show up and try to evict you from life because you haven't paid your bills. It's not like that. It's not the law. It's the truth. There's, a, there's one more thing I want to add to this, and that's that well, oftentimes when you hear a message like this, even good messages, I think, sometimes they stop the story right there, that if you tithe, you'll give, and that's kind of the summation of their message. And that's a true message, and it's, it's an amazing message because God does give and does bless us, but I don't think that's the end picture. I always ask why. That's something you can ask my mother, who's in the crowd today. I walked around as a little kid, and I was constantly going, why? 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 Obnoxiously asking why. But the why to this question matters. Why is God going to bless us if we tithe and if we give? 
He blesses us so that we can bless others. Can be a we can change our environment, right? We can be the blessing, the light of the world, the city on the hill, a place where people can come and we can change, we can defeat, you know, be a part of the de defeat of death and bring life. I think there's a story, there's a story in the Bible that's not really even about tithing, but I think it illustrates this point well. It's in 1 Kings, and it's the story of where Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. To kind of set the stage, this is during the time when Israel, the kings, have abandoned God. They're not serving the Lord anymore. The kings like David and Solomon, who knew the Lord, are long gone. And so the, 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 city, the country of Israel is under a famine. And most of the people have begun to worship idols and all this other stuff. There's lots of bad stuff going on. But Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. He was one of the few men in Israel who still served the Lord. And God said to Elijah, he says, go to the city Zarephath. Now I have a woman there who's going to feed you. He's like, okay, I'll go. He sees this widow. He arrives and he begins to talk to her. And she, he says, hey, will you give me some water? Give me a cup of water. And she's like, sure. And she's kind of picking up sticks in the meantime as he's talking to her. And then as she turns to go get him some water, he says, and will you bring me a morsel of bread? And she's like, uh, by the, you know, she basically responds, well, the truth is, I only got this little bit left. I've got, I'm gathering sticks because I'm going to actually go prepare a meal for me and my son. And it's the last meal we're ever going to have, and then we're going to die. Downer. <laughs> But Elijah says, do this, do this. And the Lord basically promises her, if you do this, then the Lord will, will provide for your family. He basically says that the, the pot which the flour is in will never go empty, and the jug of oil will never run dry. So this woman who apparently has an amazing amount of faith to me, I mean, this guy just like showed up and he's like, hey, give me your last food and then you'll never go hungry again. But she has the faith to do it, and she does. And of course, what happens? The jar never goes empty, and the jug never runs dry. But my favorite part is in the scripture. It says at the very end, it says, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word, oh wait, not earlier than that. Her whole household ate for many days. So to me, when I hear that word, her whole household, I don't think it's just talking about her and her son. Her whole household, her extended family, even friends, I think, during this time of trouble, this time of drought, because of her faithfulness and her trust in God and giving what little she had. And that's why it doesn't matter with tithing whether you make a ton or you make very little, is if you trust the Lord and you give, what does he do? He blesses you, and through that, you bless the environment you're around. So this woman, I believe, I believe this woman played an instrumental role in this city surviving and not starving to death because of her faithfulness to the Lord. Tiffany, will you come up with me, please? The Big Give. Big Give's an appropriate title for this church, for this series. 
I just want to talk to Luminous now for a second because I have noticed in the year that I've been here, the people of Luminous don't do things halfway, okay? We do things big. We have big dreams. We have big vision. We may not have, we may not be big in numbers yet. We're not a mega church, but it doesn't matter because our worship goes big. David and Tyler and everyone else pour out their hearts every Sunday and at practice because they want worship to be excellent. They want to go big. Tyler puts count, I see it because he lives with me. I see countless hours that he's pouring into worship here, Talk, programming crazy stuff into this Ableton thing over here. We go big. We don't do things. Or, we're not satisfied with an ordinary life. When last uh, January, when Pastor Ben challenged us to go on a mission trip, at that time we had around 60 people come on Sunday mornings, and he challenged us to send 20 on the mission trip. That would be a third of our church. But we responded. We sent 21 people on the mission trip because we go big. We're bold. We're brave. And I want us to be big and bold when it comes to giving. Be courageous. Because really the fact is, is why is God asking us to, to tithe? Yes, it's to bless us and to bless others. But really he wants to get at your heart. Because like me, if you're like me, I didn't trust God. I heard the words, I heard the words where he said, why are you worried about tomorrow? Look at the birds of the field. They, 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 I mean, look at the birds of the air. They, they never go hungry and they neither, they never, neither plow nor reap nor store up. And look at the, the flowers of the field who are clothed in more majestic clothing than Solomon. I heard those words, but they didn't mean anything to me because I didn't believe them. In my heart, I said, I have to be, I have to take care of myself. All I got is this money, this provision. That's all I have. And if it's gone, then what am I? I'm lost. And it touched that insecurity. But tithing, taking that step and saying, no, my trust, my provision, my life is not found in possessions and wealth in this life, but it's found in the one above who supplies all of my needs. And now I trust the Lord. And so that's what I want. I want our church not to give so that, so that, you know, whatever, all the other reasons that people think we ask for giving, that's not it. I want it because I want our hearts to be changed. I want us to be a difference in the world. I want us to see the kingdom expand. I want to see trust, the trust in the Lord to know that in your life, no matter what comes, whether it's, whether it's bright sunshine or it's the storm, when the storm comes, if your foundation is found in the truth and the trust of God the Father, then you can ride that storm because you know he's good to carry you through. So that we, we give out these commitment cards. There's lots of ways to give and all of them are good, all of them. But for me personally, if you're only gonna do one of these things, I pray and encourage you to take the bold step of tithing, committing to tithe, because I've experienced the truth, which is that God will birth in you this untouchable, un, this holy thing in you, this trust of him to where death cannot touch you any longer. You can stand boldly no matter what the world throws at you, no matter what the enemy throws at you, and you can say, death, where is thy sin? Because your trust is in him. 
let's be bold. God is good. He is faithful. He is true. He will not abandon you. And I can promise from experience that if you take that step, he'll answer. He'll meet you. And he will bring like that basket we talked about. You're going to give him what little you have. And then he's going to give you a basket that's overflowing with his goodness and his blessing. And the and you'll produce life with your life. When this life is over, you will know that your life produced life and not death. Will you stand with me, church? God is, God is good, and I just want to pray for a moment, pray for our hearts, and just, just take a moment and thank him. So, Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much. For, for what you do, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Thank you that the foundation of this series is the fact that, that you first loved us and then gave us yourself. You gave us your son, Lord God. And through that, Lord, we wanna look and act and be like you. We wanna have the character of Christ. We wanna not just be the image of God in heaven, Lord God, but have his character, have your character, your heart within us, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that what words were yours from tonight, today, Lord God, would just be imparted into everyone's heart here, Lord God. And what words were just me, Lord God, let them wash away. And Lord God, I just pray that if there are those in there that were like me, who lacked in trust and who, who look at money and are, have anxiety and fear, Lord God, I just pray that this truth would be birthed in their heart, Lord God, and that you would give them the courage and the boldness, Lord God, to take the step, Father. You are so, so good, Lord God. We thank you for what you've done at Luminous this year, Lord God. And we pray and thank you for all that you're going to do. You are good. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.